Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome to a brand new 2022. I want to thank you guys for riding along with me in this journey. I have a lot of thoughts I want to get off my mind. And honestly, what better way than to start the year with the podcast, right? We had a huge success last year. Um, I was able to do six episodes and um, I winded up going through a very tragic situation and um, that's what we're here to talk about today so everybody go ahead get comfortable the majority of my listeners are traveling all over the world um, most of the time from one part of the world to the decks and I'm just an entrepreneur that is sharing my unique experience in in my own journey in my own process uh, some of you could relate you know you're going on your journey as entrepreneurs and in my podcast I'm documenting mine you know so ladies and gentlemen all over the world once again thank you for returning to the VR1 NFT podcast. I'm your host, Venom R1, aka VR1. And um I just want to say thank you. I'm so grateful and so humbled to be here with you guys. You know? <laughs> that was the intro. So ladies and gentlemen, Let's start where we left off. I have some nice, beautiful background music for you guys. So you can um, enjoy, you know, in the, in, in, in the process of, of me recording. Um, basically, I am an artist from a previous generation. And now that everything has become social media and the digital world, um, with the emergence of technology such as um, what we call NFTs, it was only right that I join this new legion of, of creatives because I do foresee it as being the future, right? And what better person to explain these things other than myself? You know, I established a record in 2021 that will forever live in eternity on the blockchain. And um, even at the time, I didn't really understand what I was doing. I knew the technology, hardware, software, I knew that part of it, but the cultural impact is still in the unknown. So working on my podcast has been part of the last four or five years of my life. And what better way to share my journey? You know, if you look at it from an entrepreneur standpoint, 
this is my transition into the digital world. If you look at it from the technology standpoint, I am a pioneer in the music industry and in technology by way of NFTs and blockchain technology. I'm also a regular day-to-day human being. I know how to turn off the creative side as far as being an artist and expressing myself through lyrics and rhythm and beats. But um, this is also a new experience for myself. Like the NFT world is still fairly new. And as an entrepreneur, you kind of face challenges as you go along. And we're all in this pursuit of happiness, right? And many, many times your personal life will, in a sense, interfere with your with your business career and your business life. And um, there's a very good reason why I just paused everything with my music career, my businesses, and even the podcast. It was like collateral damage. And the reason was I had a stroke. You know, I had a stroke at a fairly young age. Um, I injured myself and I, I, I had damage internally, you know. It was like the silent killer. I had no idea that when I checked myself into the hospital, you know, if anything would have went different, I probably would not have lived to, to speak on it. So it made me change my, my unique perspective in life, you know, and there were many things that I had planned over the years, including when I started my technology company, which is about five years ago. Technology has changed. Life has changed. I have grown as a person, you know. I found myself working so hard into redundancy where I would share with like my business partners, like, all right, this is the the direction that we're taking. This is what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And technology was eclipsing all my products and services, everything that I was doing, the actual business and even myself. And the same is true with my with my business partners. So it was hard enough for me to keep up with everything that's going on, handle my personal private life and remain competitive. And I realized this is what things such as COVID-19 have brung out of the day-to-day entrepreneur. So you see, the business model of five years ago is no longer, um, I would say, relevant compared to today's business model. It's more of a hybrid of multiple approaches. And people are kind of going with what's working for them and their industry, their field. So without going too far, let me go back down to the basics. 
I got into NFTs because the technology company that I started was fighting an uphill battle. And somebody like Tony Robbins would say, it's not resources, it's resourcefulness. Advice like that stood with me. And I found it to be true for many, many years. But now there seems to be a change where it's either resourcefulness or resources. Even if you have the capacity to fight the good fight, if you don't have the resources, it becomes a challenge. And in a sense, it's like a hemorrhoid hemorrhage effect. If you have capital and the market starts to change, you have the ability to implement those changes. If the market changes and you don't have those resources to try to keep up with the changes and the demands of the new consumers, well, you're also at a deficit. You're also at a loss. So you have these two unique dynamics. So I start this company and it starts with really basic premises, right? Like really basic concepts, like, you know, a competitor starts a company, they develop an autonomous system. Their price point is close enough to have me as a consumer. So I figure, man, if I build a system and I come in at a better price point, I think I have an opportunity to carve a segment of the market. So then that started to evolve into many other industries, hardware, software, technological advances, you know, and I continued to pivot as the industry was changing. I kept changing my product, kept changing the features or whatever. And that grew from being an additional bonus element to one of my prototypes, the actual unit, the actual design, to itself growing into something completely different. So now, as the years pass, I realized that performance is the key to success because most automotive uh, manufacturers, the racetrack is the test bed, is the laboratory. On the field, training is like when you have a prototype already running in in day-to-day life, right? When you have a, a, a vehicle, you know, running in day-to-day life. But the racetrack provides not only a controlled environment, but it provides an extremism that you really cannot find in any other atmosphere. So at the pinnacle of the design, which evolved into many other things, I'm to the point where I'm as competitive, not as ready and able to deliver, let's say 500 super sports cars, because I'm in automotive technology, right? Mind you, in between, I'm, I'm like between military technology and medical technology. So automotive gave me 
a good platform to have a, a little bit of both. I'm to the point where at least in engineering and design and creativity, I can design a car to compete with the world's best. My limitations are very small, but very clear. For example, building an all-electric version of my prototype is possible. There are off-the-shelf components that I could use to make an all-electric vehicle, but is it something that I can pitch to a venture capital firm or a, a hard credit line lender or an angel investor that would look at a prototype and say, well, the autonomous unit is several thousand dollars, but then just the hardware to, to make the electrical systems work. Well, we're paying a X amount premium just to have it in the, in the prototype. And um, that is like the pinnacle. Like now I got a really, really fast car that has all the technology systems incorporated and there are different versions. That completely comes to a screeching halt as my main competitors are changing their approach to the business. So focusing on one of the biggest competitors and probably the most commercially viable competitor, the most well-known competitor, the one that's more connected with the public, um, they make a breakthrough in their system and their system has a clear limitation that I can capitalize on. I can exploit that weakness and develop a better system. Well, my entire new system for the autonomous um, ability is dependent on hardware that I have no access to. And of course, there's political reasons why it would be very difficult and very expensive for me to have access to this. But yet, when it comes to other facets of engineering, like the actual styling, the, the actual performance, all the other things that I have a higher strength on, well, it's, it's really irrelevant because I don't have the technological power that's needed to be successful. And of course, when you are promoting a new company, a new investment, new product, new service, you have to prove yourself to be better than the competition. You know, an investor wants the next big thing. They don't want the kind of good enough thing. They don't want, you know, anything in that regard, right? Like they, you know, if I'm going to compete with the best of them, I got to come with the best that I possibly can. So I'm, I'm, I'm great on the performance side. I'm great on the creativity side, all the technical stuff, not too good at, but I have a huge advantage with uh, composite technology as far as like the tub and the construction and stuff like that. Next level shit, like amazing shit. So as I'm incorporating these new elements, right? Like I, I still have an advantage, right? Like I'm still waiting for, for tire technology. You know what I mean? 
to 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 remain competitive so i go from that to designing a new system and then the processor that i need is unavailable and this is before the chip shortage so if i built the system with existing hardware i will still be generations behind my main competitor the only way i could have the quantum leap advantage is to have the processor that i had selected that i built the system around or design a new processor which i kind of had some people that could help me with that but i didn't have the resources to keep them involved in my project meaning they were friends acquaintances that were working for other companies and they said you know well we could help you in our free time but you know anytime is officially like on a professional level now you need a contract you need an agreement and these people have the necessity to have a payroll and family paid time leave and medical benefits and all that stuff that i just could not afford so i move on from that directly to the nfts right i take my music catalog i make it into an nft collection and that itself becomes like a pet project right so i put myself on the blockchain i got a full catalog and i'm strategizing the entire industry how am how am i going to do this how am i going to do that i make it happen i start building my my network all social media all the things that i was never willing to do in my private life as an entrepreneur was to give full access to to my fan base and things like that because i started in music right music is my foundation so I quickly learned the pitfalls of social media. That with all the added advantages and bonuses that you do get from social media, you have to be very careful because people are very messy. And on the internet people don't have a filter. So if somebody could do you some harm in the real world and there's repercussions for it. Imagine on the web where it's kind of like the wild wild west. You see, the same reason why NFTs work is the same reason why they can be detrimental. Everything is a balance. It's like a double-edged sword, right? So, as good as social media would be to like expose the company and and and, and have full discovery and people can connect with the product and services, well the same way it could be used to build a product or service or a company it can be used to destroy a product or service and company just because somebody doesn't like you for whatever reason just because somebody stands for something differently and doesn't believe what you believe in and in social media people that know how to do that shit are very powerful with it for example I had a very close relative, my daughter in fact. You know, she's doing other things in her life, modeling and stuff like that. She was under the impression that I was using the platform to keep track of her personal private life. And as far as from that, right? The truth is that I was only there for business, but I didn't realize that 
most consumers, most of these millennials, social media is their brand identity. Social media is their personal identity with the world. So that was that was a tough lesson. As I'm adjusting, right, and I'm going through this learning curve, I'm seeing some success on certain areas. I'm seeing failures, and I'm learning from them. So I'm happy to be taking on a new a new challenge, right, and I'm learning from it as I'm going along. Well, during that learning curve in my personal life, my health is jeopardized. You know, I, I become very sick. I lose, you know, several weeks, several months of daily productivity. And I'm in a situation where I'm fighting for my life. You know, I'm fighting for my life now. This puts everything into perspective. You know, like what is truly important? Why am I fighting to continue this huge investment into technology that had it not been for NFTs, the company would have went down, would have went under years ago. You know, NFTs actually saved me. You know, COVID-19 beat me down in life in so many other areas, emotionally, physically, psychologically, etc. But it provided a catalyst to catapult this technology. So, when you hear about Wall Street bets and Reddit and GameStop and NFTs and Dogecoin and Shiba Inu and Saitama, all these things could only have been brewed in the perfect storm, right? So I took the good with the bad, you know, I put a lot of things into perspective. So it made me change my approach in life. It made me look at things a lot differently. Um, I've always been grounded, you know, humble person, always had a good heart, good head on my shoulders. And, you know, I always say this, I'm coachable, you know. I, I'm willing to learn, you know, new things and new aspects of life, especially anything dealing with technology and, and anything dealing with the future, really. And I waited for a strategic moment to put together this podcast to first establish that as a a way of 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 going forward because before I was like well I need to release the podcast once a week or I need to release the podcast once a day whatever now I'm actually in a position where I could probably create two or more episodes per day um, maybe as much as four episodes per day, and they can be released on a on a daily basis. And um, during different times of the day, um, my target audience is like when people are commuting to uh to and from school or work, because that's a good time to to build the baseline for how you want to carry the rest of the day. And um, it's free time that people still have available. I do believe in audio technology. I think with the emergence of Siri and Alexa and things like that and those mobile devices around the home, audio will be huge in the future. And um, 
it's something that I actually look forward to, man. In retirement, like to build the the radio show online, the podcast to a, a different level. That has nothing to do with my music career, my technology company, any other investments as far as like the stock market or apparel or you know, motion pictures or music, you know, or NFTs, you know, I'm into a whole bunch of other things. So there's so much that I want to convey, man, to the world, you know, with, with real basic concepts, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a car collector, you know, as much as visually, um, I will have these beautiful machines in my music videos and movies and stuff like that. It's not the reality of my personal life. My personal life, I wouldn't really indulge in those things because it's not really who I am. Um, audio, as far as audioly, yeah, in a, in a song, you may hear a concept for a certain, you know, vehicle or whatever. But um, that's just entertainment. You know, I believe in having a clear balance between real life, reality, and entertainment. But um, also, over this time, I have seen how generic the conversation has become with my business partners, where I've already established exactly what I'm doing with my career and how I'm going to do it. Now it's just repetition, like reminding every single person involved in my music that this is my approach. For example, and I'm going to make it very clear here today. I've been an underground artist my entire career. I plan to be an underground artist for the rest of my life. What does that mean? When you enter entertainment or the music industry, you have a choice to make, right? You either become famous or you become wealthy. You're either in the music industry or you're in the music business. I always chose the music business over the industry. What does that mean? That means that I probably won't get the cover of GQ magazine or Forbes or the Rob Report or, you know, anything like that. I probably won't get any awards. I probably won't get any type of recognition, right? But I guarantee you that I'm going to produce all of the income that I'm supposed to produce as an independent artist and as an independent record label. I don't need the gimmicks. I don't need the extra stuff. I'm just going to create music and be a counterbalance to what the industry is doing. So when you approach the industry and you're anti-industry, then even if I make a billion dollars, I have to accept that my victory, my successes will always be internal, meaning Maybe my family and my fans will know about my music, my loved ones, right? People that care about me. And I may be one of those artists that you really will have to look deep, deep into to consume my music. And I'm perfectly fine with that. That's a decision I made when I started my music career to be fully independent. And I can completely live with that. If I can take care of my entire family using my God-given talent and ability to do music, that's okay. 
everybody doesn't get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And once again, that's one of those differences between me and other artists, right? So without going too far off the topic, for me, it's very simple. 2022 is the year that my music will be on Spotify, iTunes, etc. All digital distribution. 2022 is the year that I signed with a, a major digital distributor. So everything will be the same for me. I still book and, and tour my own shows, my own tours, my own merchandise. You know, I'm going to be filming my own movies and videos. I'm going to be doing my own um, interviews and stuff like that. I get to focus on the markets that I want to focus on and nothing else and nothing more because I have nothing to prove to anybody in the industry. I'm in the music business, no longer in the music industry. So I realized that with my business partners, when they keep asking me, so so what are we going to do? It's real simple. All the music is released digitally. For every music release, there's an NFT counterpart. You know, we're going to do the videos and the, and the audio stuff, you know, all the entertainment stuff, DVDs, merchandising, and tours. And that's it. Don't expect to have front row at the BT Awards or at the VH1 Music Awards or all that other stuff would never be for an independent artist such as myself or underground artist. You know, I may have to perform at Madison Square Garden when I can sell out the entire Madison Square Garden. I won't have practice shows where I can sell 30,000 tickets or 10,000 or 15,000 tickets. I don't have that luxury as an independent artist. And, um, I'm perfectly fine with that, you know, and again, it's only a foundation for many other business ventures. So it goes to show you, it goes to show you the decisions that have to be made that are very clear to me. You know, I don't plan on having features from major, major artists, you know, that can be years away. And even when that does happen, it will be regular artists. I may get a few industry artists in there. But um, these are the decisions that I made to be a fully independent artist. So there's really nothing much to talk about. There's really nothing much to break down to my business partners. Either they understand or they don't. And if they don't, then they shouldn't be involved with my music career. You know? I have a artist that I look up to, you know, this guy's worth over $20 million. Yeah, he's still kind of a little bit jaded that the industry doesn't really recognize who he is. But there are real artists and real entrepreneurs such as myself that are like, nah, this kid is, uh, this kid is phenomenal. And this is the artist known as Russ, R-U-S-S. And, um, yeah, the kid is phenomenal, man. The kid is phenomenal. That's the best way I could describe it. The kid is definitely an inspiration to me. And he's actually much younger than me, like over 10 years younger than me. And, um, still I'm like, man, what this kid is doing, I'm really saddened in a way to learn that he still kind of feels like the industry is not going to 
you know, recognize it. And I'm like, coming inside the industry, into the music business, believe me, I won't have that problem. I'm perfectly fine with driving a black-on-black Lamborghini with no badges, nothing fancy, and for nobody to know who I am. I'm completely fine with that. And that is the type of car collector that I am, you know, and, and I'm, I don't mean it literally. You know, I'm, I'm speaking in concepts to kind of convey what I feel. Like, I'm perfectly fine in a situation where I have two choices, right? I could, I could own the perception that I own a $20 million mansion, or I could really, in real life, own a 5 or $6 million mansion. I'm going to own the 5 or $6 million mansion all day, every day. Very simple. I'm always going to take that independent um, route or whatnot. You know, the reality versus the perception of the image that the industry wants to sell people. So when I think about tours, I think about it from a business standpoint first. I get to pick what countries, what states, what parishes, what barrels, where I want to perform. I get to pick my own venues. I get to build my own um, performance sets. And I get to charge whatever I deem profitable at every single venue. And I get to do this over and over again. I get to release music when I want to release music. I get to flood the market as much as I want to. I already have a strategy to be the record that they play in between those juggernauts. So in between those major, major artists, you're going to hear one of my records for one simple rule, for one simple reason. I can produce more music than all of those artists because I don't have the constraints that the record labels put on these artists. I don't have to turn in a clearance sheet 55 days before releasing the record. I don't have to do that. I'm not bound by those limitations. So the only difference is that there's a 52-week format in the rest of the year. So I could release 52 big records. I could release a record every single week. And if I miss a week, I can easily release two or three records to make up for that lost week. But at the same time, I can still release another two or three hundred records during the same year and continue to release music on a consistent basis. Remember that there's only 24 hours in a day and there's slots in every hour and every new record is three to four songs. So... Me coming from a generation where a song is like five minutes to now it being like three to four minutes, then every X amount of minutes, I'm winning free time. So let's say in your top 100 radio, right? Okay, you play those top 100 radios over the course of two or three hours. Let's say four or five hours out of the day. There's still 20 hours out of the day that that are just regular records. 
I'm going to be the best of one of those records. I'm going to take that slot every time it's available, whether it's with this current song that released this week or the song that releases next week or the song that releases tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Each one of those records are going to go directly into that algorithm, into that structure of new music. And unless these artists are releasing music at the same rate, then it's going to be hard for them to compete. So there's no need to research what's really going on in the industry because I understand that the end consumer is on those streams and on that radio play. And as long as there's a visual counterpart to every record that's released and I'm able to perform live in front of a live audience in all different markets of the world, that is the business model that I've established for my record label. This has nothing to do with real estate investments, um, food, clothing, apparel, merchandise. Like this is just a very small component to open the door of awareness, to introduce the brand and develop the brand, right? And then the real money comes from the opportunities that having that type of exposure on that scale, on that massive worldwide scale, that's where the opportunities come in from. You know, I could do movies if I wanted to and, you know, make a decent living just making movies. But I won't just be making movies. You know, I won't just be making music. I won't just be doing real estate. I won't just be doing NFTs. It's a plethora of all these different avenues that all produce an income. Remember, make a minimum wage. I already have more than the average person. I'm already well established. So anything above that, if every business venture that I own to date produces 12 times, 14, 16 times what minimum wage is, I'm okay. You know, for example, minimum wage could be 10 to $15. Well, if I do 16 times that every single hour, it doesn't even have to be from one business venture. It could be from 16 other business ventures. So let's keep it simple. 10 business ventures, $15 an hour, $150 an hour, 12 to 14 hour days, that's $1,000, $2,000 a day, 365 days a year, five, 600 grand. There's so much that I could do for all my businesses with 600,000 a year income. That's 4,500 uh, let me see. No, that's like $45,000 a month. Um, again, the artist Russ, he was doing about 100000 a month. You have no idea the power that that gives me as an entrepreneur. I could write books, movies, music, video games. I mean, the ideas are just endless. And this podcast is about sharing that. You know, this podcast is about... Breaking those uh, hard things down, you know, and that's how I feel, you know, 
as far as everything, like my health being jeopardized, put a lot of things into perspective. The fact that I used to constantly speak with my business partners and try to explain to them, explain to them, and realizing that they just don't understand the technology. They just don't understand, you know, exactly what my approach is. It lets me know that what the actual extent will be of them being involved in my music career. You know, and even with touring, there has to be a balance. You know, I can't tour to the point where I don't have enough music because I'm constantly on the road performing live. Everything has to have a balance. I have to be able to do a few shows every month, you know, five, six, seven, eight shows per month and be in the studio every single day for this entire year, do interviews every few months, um, figure out the time to do the promotion and do the visuals, like anything that I write or I record, I have a visual counterpart and the NFT. The NFT is my advantage. So I have to emphasize everything I do as having its own NFT, whatever experience, product, or service I'm selling. So this is how I'm going to keep the digital market um, sufficed, right? Where they have new product all the time, visually have new videos all the time, and then using those moments as free publicity moments to continue to promote the exact same system. You know, having my own clothing um, as far as product placement in my music videos, having the online stores ready to sell you anything from an NFT to merchandise to some clothing or even a real estate course or even a book or even one of my movies. Right now for 2022, this will be my challenge is to build the system for all of those things and to be able to generate as much income having the minimal amount of exposure visually as far as like the industry and and all this other stuff is choosing interviews strategically is releasing projects strategically and flooding the market and whatever is there whatever is available is exactly what I will capitalize on so for today ladies and gentlemen I think we've done a an excellent job to convey where I am mentally, physically, spiritually, psychologically. Um, we're going to pretty much shut it down for today. Just want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, stick around because outside of this uh, health challenge that I just experienced, I have a lot of things coming your way. And... Um, it wouldn't be real life if it was scripted and I just continued to do my radio show and my podcast, ignoring what was really going on in my personal life. And um, I wanted it to be genuine. I wanted it to be whole when I connected back with you guys to just kind of give you an idea without saying too much, because this podcast is about this journey. 
maybe in four years I'll be a billionaire. So I want to share these next three, four years with you guys so you can see the process as it's being developed. So thank you for your time and tune right back in because we got a lot more where that came from. God bless.